Well, Charlie, thank you so much for your company. Lovely to see you. Lovely to meet you for the first time. Heard a lot about you, but haven't actually met you. So um, start by introducing yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your story. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Um, So my name is Charlie Martin. I'm 37. I'm a racing driver, um, originally from Leicestershire. And I started off hill climbing and I'm now progressing through into endurance racing and aiming to be the first transgender driver to ever compete at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Wow, I mean, that is that's some statement. Just if you to take it into the separate parts uh, and all together, that's, that's incredible. That's exciting. Um, and good luck to you. And we want to sort of pick apart your story and talk about it and hopefully support you in that, uh, in that ambition. Um, but tell us, uh, because you've been racing, um, you were racing as a man and then you, you transitioned, what was it, seven years ago? Is that right? Uh, yeah, about seven years ago now. So 2012 is uh, is when I started transition and um it's been yeah it's been quite an adventure I suppose in many in many ways um transition is something that I you know if I'm honest I never thought I would be someone who would do that not because I didn't want to do it but purely because it just seemed like such a scary daunting road to walk down mm. and especially you know, first and foremost, from a personal point of view, but obviously competing in motorsport as well. Mm. Um, I I couldn't really see that I had a future doing the sport that I love. Um, so it's yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey, I'd say. So was that something that was stopping stopping you wanting to transition because you thought you may be alienated from doing something that you really wanted to do? I think I think really it was for me it was just coming to a crossroads in my life that I'd reached so many times before where I knew that you know I I just kept going around in circles basically and reaching this point where it's either decide to transition or carry on living and trying to function and trying to get by as I was and and I think you know, maybe in some ways being being in motorsport, um, being in that kind of world perhaps made me feel less able to to transition as opposed to perhaps, mm. you know, if I'd been mm. competing in another sport or, you know, just in another kind of career perhaps where mm. where you're um you know, it feels a bit more a bit more diverse and you you can see that perhaps the support is obviously going to be there for you mm. um so yeah I, I guess there's there's all kinds of reasons really you know mm. people transition at all stages of their life some people do it very young mm. i've met people i know people in their 70s who are transitioning wow. so wow. there's no right or wrong mm. really it's very much a personal thing of where you reach that moment that you know this is it okay so what was your moment? What was the tipping point, the catalyst, if you like? Do you know, for me, I think a lot of it was actually driven by by YouTube, um, which sounds like a, uh, a slightly random thing, but I discovered other people vlogging, um, other trans people who are my own age, who'd, who'd really... You know, normal people as well. These a lot of these people weren't people with like millions of followers. They were just normal people with normal jobs, normal lives, normal problems, and they were very relatable. 
and I think when you can when something seems so far out of reach that you can't really connect with how you're going to be put in that you know you're going to be doing that thing but when something seems very tangible and Mm. you can actually see people doing it Mm. and you can see that they're actually really happy Mm. I think for me that really was the catalyst because I realized actually yeah I I can do this if I push myself Mm. it's possible and how many people knew at this stage how many people close to you knew that that's what you were kind of wrestling with I hardly I mean not really anyone to be honest I mean I came out to my mum when I was probably about 10 years old Mm. um and my mum passed away when I was 23 so I, I didn't um you know I didn't have her for support at that stage of my life and so really it's something that I'd kind of I'd also told my some of my school friends at that point in time who were still in good you know in contact with but um yeah it was really something that I just kept in a box nailed shut inside me that is incredibly hard and presumably incredibly lonely when you say you came out to your mum what did you say to her I guess I just tried to sit down with her one day and I said um hey you know mum I'm this is going to be a real surprise but um I feel that I'm a girl and that I've been you know born the wrong way and that I need to I need to change basically and you were 10 when you said that 10 years old yeah that's just that's an incredible awareness at such a young age that I'm sure many of us don't ever feel so in a way it's you know it's quite enlightened really isn't it I guess so. I mean, I I think a lot of trans people I know, and and uh, you probably remember back as far as about six, even you know six or seven, which is around the age that I really first became aware that I was trans. I didn't know what being trans was back then. Mm. I didn't know, you know, it's not like today where trans, um, you know, trans people are a, a common topic of discussion in the media and everything. Back then. You know, being trans wasn't even, like, you know, widely understood or seen or anything. Mm. So when I, I, it took me time to get to grips with how I felt, but, and to realise actually that, just for one, I'm not the only person in the world who feels this way. Mm. And, but still back then it was a very lonely experience to, to grow up feeling, yeah, feeling alone and scared Mm. and, and, you know, to a degree ashamed of, like I had something wrong with me mm. and and I think fast forwarding to to discovering people that I could suddenly identify with who felt the same and who'd actually taken that step and were living authentically as their true selves mm. was really really important for me and actually seeing that wow this is something that I have the power to you know I have the power to take control of my life mm. and do something about it it's interesting that you say, you know, back then it wasn't understood. I still think today it's not really understood. I mean, it's fantastic that we're talking about it mm-hmm. uh, and it is part of sort of everyday discussion. But I think a lot of that seems to be focused on certain um, industries and certainly certain uh hubs of people so London and Manchester for example but you kind of go beyond that like I was astounded um, on Twitter for people who I thought were sort of bright and engaged human beings that still have a problem with it and perhaps that is a lack of I'm sure it is a lack of understanding Mm -hmm. explain what it is to be trans 
Do you know, somebody explained this to me in a very simplistic metaphor recently. And, uh, you know, they said it's a bit like if you're holding a pen, you know, nobody tells you if you're left-handed or right-handed. You just, you just, you just know, you know, one feels right, one feels wrong. Mm. And being trans is a little bit like that. It's like you, you know, something doesn't feel natural. And until you do something to, to correct that, mm. you, you're just very acutely aware that you feel out of sync. Um, it's again, it's a common conception that, that, you know, somebody's sexual, um, someone's gender identity and their sex are the same thing, mm. you know, and even down to that is a very, very simplistic understanding, but actually, you know, your gender is, your gender is in your head. Uh, it's just that most people, your gender is, uh, you, you know, your gender is in alignment with how you feel and what your body says mm. and, you know, your physical characteristics. But for a lot of people, that's not the same. Mm. You know, that's not the case. And when you're having to live with that day to day, you know, nobody decides to be trans. It's something that you're born with. Mm. And believe me, nobody would decide to be trans mm. because it's it's hard. You know, it's a really tough thing to go through. Mm whatever age you are um you have to deal with a lot of stigma and all kinds of negativity so to to ever think that someone would choose this is is you know very misguided and it's just yeah it's just the way it's just the way you know if you're born and you feel like that then you have to do something about it because fundamentally you're walking around in the wrong body with the wrong gender expression mm-hmm. and it's it's horrible you know i mean i developed i had to develop coping mechanisms to deal mm. with just living day to day and after something like 25 years you don't realize how how just that's become a part of the way you function yeah. so you know, so what kind of things would you do to get by i guess just i mean you know just focusing on things in my life throwing myself into work hobbies mm. um you know when i was young i struggled with um you know, all kinds of things that young people struggle with growing up, you know, just ways of escapism, really. Mm. And just trying to shut off my brain from what was going on inside me. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm painting a very dark picture, but I suppose it's just when you, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really, it's really complicated when you, you feel that way, but you're unable to, be who you want to be in society mm. and I think really the thing that needs to change is that whereas you know the person feeling that it's something wrong with them really it's society needing to change it's yeah. society that needs to mm. actually just open up empathize mm. and understand people who mm. who are born this way and and just you know take away that stigma that that people are attaching mm. to to being transgender because there's no need for it you know, people are just people. We all want the same thing. We all want to be happy. We all want to be loved. And it's a simple human right, really, isn't it? Of course. Why do you think there's such a, a reluctance, in fact, resistance to that? I, you know, I, I, I'm always shocked by the reaction of so many people. I kind of want to ask them, what, what are you scared of? What are you threatened by? Why does this bother you so much? And I guess with... I guess part of your job in a way or your role or your raison d'etre or whatever you want to call it is to is to educate and help people understand because with understanding comes empathy and with empathy comes inclusion yeah 
What are people so scared of, though? If it doesn't directly affect them, why are they so bothered? I don't know. And you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, that feels like my mission in life, really, is to to use my platform to create change, to educate people and to and to help move things forwards. I think I think, unfortunately, you know, generally like so many things, it's just it's just a lack of education and to a degree ignorance of of you know of what it's like to be trans i think mm. unfortunately there's a there's a vocal minority right now who are very who have a very anti-trans agenda mm. and these people are given a lot of um you know are given a platform within the media in various ways to to put their opinions forwards and mm. i think these opinions are very damaging and very hurtful and the difficulty is you know my experience is that i've met so many people through trans through transition who've never met a trans person and i can probably count on one hand you know over seven years the negative experiences that i've had in that context mm. of when i actually sit you meet somebody yeah i'm trans oh really wow i didn't know yeah gosh what was that like you know and you sit and you talk to someone for a moment and they come away with a completely different understanding mm-hmm. so it's exposure to it and, and that can only come in with time exactly if, if people if people have never met someone yeah. who's trans what are they basing their opinions on yeah. headlines they're reading in tabloids yeah you know it's it's that's the thing it's just it's just a lack of a lack of understanding i think mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we've recently had the, the case of Israel Folau, the, the Australian rugby player, who in this like incredible, audacious talent on the rugby pitch, but was, is, is, you know, hanging on and to his religious beliefs that, you know, gays are destined for, for hell is what he Instagrammed and refused to delete from his social media posts. Now, it's interesting because on the one hand, I do respect everyone's right to believe and 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 respect that they've been brought up with because it's part of their cultural identity it's part of who they are they don't want that threatened or damaged Mm -hmm. but I equally have a problem with people hiding behind religion and saying because I'm not comfortable with what that means I'm going to say it's what religion's telling me to do um I don't know if you can ever separate the two I I feel like religion is 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 a shield for a lot of people who aren't ready just to sit down and have a chat mm. and understand mm. that you're just a human being like anyone else, as you say, looking for love, looking for acceptance, just to get on with your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm not religious myself, so um, I guess I'd say I'm quite a spiritual person. I just feel that I don't, I, you know, I don't know enough about different kinds of religions and what they preach, but I think that to a degree people can interpret religion mm. into a way that 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 aligns with their own personal feelings mm. and i think really anything that spreads a message of hatred or you know something that is denying people a basic human right or or even a right to exist is i don't see how any religion can really get behind that mm. i don't know i mean you know we're all human beings we all have a right to to live on this earth mm. and I, I that's my my view on that really i mean how can how, I mean, can, we, you, we, how can you hide behind well no i mean something that goes against that we could do like 10 podcasts on religion i'm sure like this this is what i find really interesting i was just chatting to a mate before i before i came to meet you 
I was saying, there's just so many paths we could go down with this podcast. There's so much to discuss. It wouldn't really do it justice, just limiting it to, to a 40-minute podcast or whatever. Um, and so I'd love to sort of keep in touch with you and, and chart your progress and see how things are evolving and changing. But we can talk about that another day. I, you know, it's just, um, it's interesting. I think personally, just from like scouring through the tweets that I had about you, was that I think people love to pigeonhole. And I, I think people love to say, right, she's white, middle class, straight, female, you know, and they feel safe in understanding you and pigeonholing you. What's the minute those lines are blurred, they don't quite get who you are. And in some way, and I don't know why that threatens them. And I think maybe, maybe, yeah, it's, it is that lack of knowledge and that lack of understanding that just makes them feel a bit wobbly about life. I think people love to compartmentalise and pigeonhole and, mm. and, and those boundaries are secure in what they've grown up understanding. And the minute yeah. you challenge that mm. is when they struggle. I mean, one, one person uh, tweeted me um, basically on the lines of, why are you trying to make racing about sexuality and politics? I said, well, I'm absolutely not. This is what her life's about. Mm. But she wants to be a racer. And she wants the acceptance and she wants to be a role model in that respect. I think the other thing is, is that once other girls and boys in your situation see you as a strong role model, yeah. they will have that opportunity to emulate. That's, that's it in a nutshell. That's really what it's about. I mean, you know, I, first and foremost, I, want, I love motorsport. I love racing. And that's what I want to go out and do. And that's mm. what I want to be good at and be known for. But the thing is, we're, we're still a long way from at a, being in a place as a society where everybody has the same opportunities or feels that they have the same opportunities. For me growing up, one of the biggest things was that I had no role models. Mm. I could never see anybody like me mm. in motorsport or really in other forms of life. And when you're growing up, I mean, we all know the importance of role models and when you don't have that person to look through to look up to and you can't see yourself it you know you don't have a vision of who you want to be yourself in your life mm. it can really be difficult to aspire mm. to to you know this is what i'm aiming for this is who i want to be i want to be like them mm. and and also i think when you have a complete absence of people that that you need to look to um you can feel like things in life are shut off to you that you don't have the same opportunities as other people because you know you see other people doing well oh well I'm, I don't feel like that person mm. I don't I don't identify with that person where's someone that represents me mm. where's someone that, and where's someone represents me doing well and actually publicly getting acceptance and, and you know working with companies and having support and and being successful in their career and when you can't see anybody like that mm it's very difficult to see your own path in life. Mm. And I think for me, that's why I, I care so much about using my position to inspire change, mm. you know, to inspire other people to, to take their own path and also just to inspire change in the wider mm. society. Mm. Um, you know, when, when, you know, that, and that the onus is really on the media and big business to, to put up role models 
have representation, have relatable characters on screen, because I think that's the, the most crucial thing, you know, more women, ethnic minorities, just so that people can identify. And I'm not saying don't get the best person for the job. No. I, think this is, I think this is the problem that lots of people seem to have. They go, well, if she's quick enough, she'll make it. So what do you say to that? You know, this is a bit like, you know, I, I remember talking to one of my colleagues at Sky and saying, you know, we need more people of colour, we need more women on screen. Mm-hmm at Sky Sports and actually it's it's absolutely happening and that I'm really proud of that mm. um, but he was like straight away well don't get the wrong person for the job they have to be good enough they have to know what they're talking about I say absolutely but positive discrimination is actually a positive path and things won't change and they won't have role models to emulate unless you offer up and give that platform in the first place sure so sure. I don't know. I feel like there's three different questions in there, but yeah. How do you feel about that? No, I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, you have to, you have to be able to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. Yeah. In terms of racing, for me, it's like if I'm going to, yeah, um, have to have to be successful and prove that I'm fast enough to to warrant the, the any kind of uh, progression in my career. Sure, but without the kind of support from companies, without without companies who who are willing to say actually yeah do you know what we're companies really passionate about acceptance equality diversity and diversity and inclusion and we want to you know these are core principles that we want people to know about our brand and we're going to stand by you we want you to represent us Mm. i think without people like that then it's for someone in my position it's nearly impossible to succeed mm. because I don't, you know, I don't come from a position of having family backing or, or money behind me. So for me to get to where I want to get to in my career, that needs to happen. Mm. And I don't think there's a shortage of companies that are, that really have those beliefs these mm. days. You mm. know, it's such an important part of any large corporation's working culture. You know, if you go to Pride in London, you, there's no short of money being spent at events like that mm. from big corporations who want to shout very proudly that they're there wholeheartedly supporting the LGBT community. Mm. So it's looking for, you know, those companies actually looking for ways outside of events like that to promote those core values. It's interesting because obviously they've got to be seen to do that, but equally it is about profit and you unearthing talent in the process of that because what you're saying is our doors are open and we are scouring this this great earth for, for for great talent and you can't you can't tell me that only you know rich white kids are good racers you know yeah, yeah, there's sure. plenty of talent out there they it just needs to to find it which is why for me it's great that things like the w series are happening because mm-hmm. it's giving track time to to girls that wouldn't otherwise have it and therefore bringing them up and letting their talent shine. So presumably that's what you're saying is that you just need the opportunity to show how fast you are. Absolutely. That's it. Through and through. It's having the opportunity, having the chance to prove yourself Mm. and those steps upwards into trying to make a, a career in motorsport, as anyone knows, is very difficult. And we all just need those, yeah, those helps to, to, to help us take those steps to, you know to to move forwards and to progress and uh, and without that it's you know it's difficult so why do you think people are so fixated on gender and 
don't want it to be fluid. Because I, I'm really interested in this as, a, as a, an idea. There's this sort of like clinical separation, if you like, between men and women. And they, and they want to stereotype and they want to load those stereotypes. And, but why is that so important to some people, do you think? I mean, that's obviously not important to you, but why can't people be people? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, I think people should be allowed to be people. You know, people should be free to be non-binary or gender fluid. I think, and I, I'll be honest, I've I've come up against people who have accepted me for who I am, who've said to me, "Well, yeah, I know, I understand. You know, you were born this way. You want to be a girl. Fair enough." But I don't understand people who want to be non-binary. I don't, I don't, you know, I just don't get that. Mm. And, I, and I'm like, but why, to me, I'm like, well, why, why is that so hard to understand? Mm. Somebody that feels like they don't identify as one gender or another. Mm. Um, I guess for me, it's, it, okay, fair enough, it's easier to understand because I've moved through gender. I see gender as a kind of, I don't see it as two fixed points. Mm. Or, or perhaps, you know, at one extreme, there is, there is that kind of way of looking at it but you know there's there's so much gray in between and I, I guess having experienced different forms of gender gender expression it, it seems quite quite easy for me to get my head around I, I think because just going back to what you were saying a moment ago because it challenges the status quo mm. it shakes people's understanding of of what it is to be masculine or feminine mm. and I think for some people that's troubling I don't know because it makes them ask questions about their own identity um, because they feel that the world is changing and they don't understand it and they feel less able to relate to it. Mm. But if that's how society is evolving in some ways, then that's just how society is. You know, Mm. I think that actually if you look back, it's really fascinating, but if you look back a long way into history, into so many ancient cultures going back as far as the romans or native americans you know, so many cultures actually not only acknowledged people who were trans or non-binary but actually celebrated these people you know they were just a normal part of the fabric of society mm. and it's only really in the last few hundred years um thanks mainly to the victorians that um you know that we we changed our whole kind of way of of looking at you know what it is to be a, a person in society and, and, and so many of these these cultures were eroded and people were kind of um you know locked up or just you know driven away from 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 society and actually this is they're quite it's quite normal that a lot of people just are able to feel this way mm. and and really it's nothing new it's just in the last few hundred years we've actually kind of done a bit of a u-turn mm. so you know um I I just think it's so much of it's just about understanding, mm. you know, and empathy mm. and just people meeting people meeting people and I, I think people fear what they don't know. Mm, absolutely. You know. Um you talked earlier about not having uh, representation, not having someone you could relate to. Did that make you change who you were? Did you try to fight it? Because obviously you only transitioned seven years ago. So that a lot of your life has been kind of trying to crowbar yourself into something that you're not. 
into a mould, if you like, that you're not. Just tell us about that on a day-to-day level, how that feels and the sort of things that you would have to do. Because you were in a relationship, weren't you? Were you married before you transitioned or just in a, in a serious no, I relationship? Was, I was married. I was with someone for eight years. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. It must have been oh. incredibly hard, wasn't it, to, yeah. to walk away from that? It, do you know, it was one of the hardest things of my entire life. Um, I fell, I fell head over heels in love with somebody for the first time. Um, and I guess... You know, anyone who's had that that feeling happen to you, you know, it's it's all consuming. It's mm. an incredible feeling. And I was just so happy. Um suddenly being me in my life made sense to me. You know, my identity seemed to seem to add up because I was one half of something that was much much bigger and better than just my own kind of existence. And I uh, yeah, I mean, uh, having to walk away from that relationship was was incredibly tough. Mm. And and was that because she she couldn't cope with the transition? It just you know just it wasn't really yeah it wouldn't have been the right thing mm. for us in our relationship. And you know of course I respect that. And I just uh, you know. I mean, I've never really spoken about it in, a, in an interview before, so I'm just kind of mindful out of respect mm. to my ex, really. But I just, I never thought that I would be someone who would be transitioning. Um, well, because know. actually, for, for the first time, you were okay with being a man because you'd fallen in love. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, you mm. know, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of nailed the box shut in terms of, you know, how I felt deep down. To such an extent that it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a real thing trying to deal with it anymore. It was just, it was just something that was like in the past. And, you know, I just, I was just so happy, you know, and I'd never been, I'd never been truly happy in my life before in that way, you know, to have that. And yeah, that was really such a profound thing that I just thought, well, you know, this is just what it's meant to be now. This is this is who I'm meant to be. And a man in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And so, what you were you were just you were able to bury the feelings of of, of the longing to transition because of that, for, for you know, for a number of years. Yeah, because I was just, I was just happy. Wow. I was happy in my life. I was happy being me. And, you know, I don't know if people might look at that and say that was the wrong thing to do, but if you're never in that situation, if you're never put in that position, it's, it's, it's just, it's an impossible set of circumstances to... To just say, oh, well, this is the logical thing to do. This is, you know, it's it's not, life's not that easy. Mm. Life's not black and white. Mm. And, and yeah, I was, so yeah, I was, I was very happy for a long time in my life like that. Um, and, um, and, you know, leaving that relationship was, yeah, was the darkest, probably about the darkest period of my life, mm. really. Yeah. But darkness that, 
came into light because ultimately you then could be who you always meant to be? Yeah, I think ultimately... I mean, it's funny, I was talking about this this morning in a, in a presentation that I was doing. Someone asked me a question and it's it's really... They said, they asked me if I had any regrets about transitioning and and I don't. I don't have any regrets in terms of, like, I couldn't imagine being the person that I used to be, mm. you know? Like, I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world. Mm. I just... I know that I am who I'm meant to be. There's no doubt in my mind. I have regrets in terms of what had to happen for that to take place. Mm. Because, yeah, that was that was something that I, I'm not proud of, but I just, I, I can't help, you know, I can't help the set of cards I was dealt in life, mm. you know. I think it's case not being proud I mean I don't know it feels like I'm not that, I don't know that just that that makes my heart heavy to to hear you say that because you obviously do carry guilt and grief because of that I do yeah I do I mean you know it's making me kind of quite emotional thinking about it now because it's it's yeah it was it was really tough it was really tough and I do and I yeah of course you know I'll always I'll always have some kind of guilt that I feel for that you know it's a real it's a real thing that happened, you know, and it affected people. And, um, yeah, but all I can do is try and find the best way forwards. Mm. You know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Yeah, but come on, this isn't your fault. It's not about hindsight. I mean, you, you can't have regrets. You can't help falling in love. And equally, you can't... I mean, actually, do you know what? I'm going to counter that because I do think you make a series of decisions before falling in love, I think. But ultimately, you were who you were. And that then led you to a situation where you fell in love. And then, you know, that carried you for a while. And, and in a way, that's that's beautiful because... Love was enough. But you can't deny who you are and who you're born as. Yeah, I mean, well, exactly. I mean, you sum it up perfectly there because you can't deny that. You can you can deny that for as, as long as you can deny it. And, I, you know, I've had people contact me um, through my YouTube channel or, or Facebook or, or, you know, because I've, I've vlogged about my whole transition on YouTube and... Um, that is something that I am very proud of, that I, I've been able to help a lot of people on their own journey through that process, through sharing my own my own journey. But I've had a lot of people contact me who've been in similar situations like that, and they're like, what should I do? Mm. I'm like, oh, it's it's just... I don't know. Everybody everybody reaches transition in their own, their own time, their own period of their life when it's right for them. I had a very good counsellor, who who helped me a lot and you know he used to say it's like a it's like a crossroads and if you take the, the path not to transition it just goes in a big circle ultimately you'll always keep coming back to the same position in your life and I remember when I was seeing him for counseling and I tried to work through a lot of stuff and and I went away and I tried to sort myself out and I reasoned that, you know, I should just stay with everything as it was and that it was, you know, I could do this. 
And when I finally went back to him and I was in bits, you know, I was, I was suicidal. And I said, you know, I realize I've, I have to transition. I have, I have, there's no other way. There's no other way forwards. And he said, do you know, I knew one day you'd come back and you tell me this, but I could never tell you that you had to find your own place. You had to find your own way to, to this moment. Mm. And it's, yeah, it was a pretty profound moment. That's always stuck with me mm. because there's no there's no there's no field manual for transition there's just mm. life can be tough life throws all kinds of amazing incredible wonderful difficult challenging things at us and we're all just trying to navigate our way through it mm. and trying to do our best and um yeah that's that's the way it is did did you you say you're suicidal did you did you genuinely consider that taking your life was a better out than having to confront what was in front of you at the time yeah I did I did because I was in so much pain and I knew that whatever you know I knew that whatever path I took was going to cause pain pain to me pain for other people and I just I couldn't see a way out I couldn't see that whatever decision I made was going to be the wrong one Mm. and living with that became so difficult to deal with that it really did seem like the only way out for me Mm. and thank god I didn't Mm. and you know and I remember thinking I owe this to my parents because neither of them are sadly alive any anymore Mm. and I thought you know they wouldn't want this for me so is that what stopped you I think so I thought, you know, they wouldn't want me to carry on. They would want me to carry on. They wouldn't want me to do this. Mm. And, and I owe it to them because there is a way through this. Mm. Scary and, and uncertain as it is, the only way through it is to transition. Mm. And what kind of support you had? did you, did you have through that process? You, you obviously lost your mum very young and you lost your dad as well you have a brother that you're close to I have two brothers two brothers yeah two two amazing elder brothers so they're about I don't know about seven or eight years older than me so um I'm the the baby of the family so yeah they they were pretty they're pretty cool about things um we were working together still at the time when when I was when I said to them I needed to transition so that was um, do you think they knew already I think they I think they, I mean, the thing is, you know, I came out to my mum that time when I was 10 and I I'm, I know my mum told them, but I don't know if they kind of fully remember or, mm. or whatever, but um, maybe they just kind of, maybe it kind of just got lost in, in mm. the ether a little bit. Mm. But yeah, they, I mean, they've been amazing. It's, you know, it's a challenge for anyone, I think, with family mm. working through something like transition because it's not, it's not like just you transitioning on your own. The other people around you have to transition as well. Yeah. And and I was very conscious. I mean, because we were spending five days a week together in an office, I was very conscious of, of them, of it working for everyone. Yeah. So in some ways I wanted to go, like, I'm transitioning. I've been waiting all my life to do this. And now it's happening. And I want to just do everything very quickly. But at the same time, I thought, you know, if this is going to work for me, I need to have everybody on board. I need yeah. to have everybody support. Yeah. So I want to do things in a way and at a pace that that, that is mindful of that fact. So I, I took a lot of time to, to kind of, 
I mean, I, I was something like six months between me actually telling everybody I was going to transition and starting to live full time. Right. Which was kind of crazy. So, so what does that actually mean so, when you say live full time? What does it mean? So it's a, it's, a, it's a terminology that's kind of stems from the sort of NHS's like guidelines on when you sort of say, right, OK, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to change my legal documentation um, and I'm going to live you know, from this day forwards as my gender mm. that I identify as. So it's a kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a very, not to say it's the point of no return, but it's, it's, it's that point where you yeah. take that huge step into yeah. the unknown really. And, and because it was so long between me doing that, um, it kind of diffused a lot of things because I told people and people were like, you know, immediately like, Oh my God, I can't believe I've have you heard Charlie Martin's, you know yeah 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 and but after a while all the kind of all of that kind of died down mm. nothing really happened mm. people were like well, are you are you doing this because like you kind of i heard that you're doing They're yeah thinking, it's not working <laughs> you don't you look the same, <laughs> <You're> the same. <laughs> and like you know i didn't change my name because I, I kept my name the same and it's like quite handy with the name charlie it's kind of handy i got my parents <laughs> to thank for that yeah <laughs> good bit of foresight on yeah. that <laughs> so um you know, and it was like, yeah, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to start on the, I think it was the 20, 28th of June, I think, 2012. And, um, but it kind of meant actually people had kind of almost lost interest to a degree. Which is quite good because then you kind yeah. of bit, go back under the radar a bit, don't you? You just get on with it on your own terms. I, exactly. And that's what I needed. And it, and it kind of meant that, you know, by that point, everybody was like, everybody knew there mm. were no, mm. you know. It took a bit of the... Which in itself must be hugely liberating because I think part of the exhausting mm. part of, of living a lie in a way is that nobody knows and you can't vent, you can't escape it. I mean, yeah. that must in itself be crushing. Yeah, and it is. And you know when you're fine in a position that you can tell people and you're like... And I, do you know, I remember when I first started telling people and and you know, the first few of my friends that I told, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd be like, oh, can we meet up for, you know, somewhere and whatever meet for a drink and I'd be like I'd have this whole dialogue rehearsed in my head I'd be like oh you know I've really had this terrible thing and it's been really hard and you know and by the end of like telling them they'd be like yo what what (laughs) well you know I'm trans and I just need to trans and they'd be oh well okay right well that's all right and you know and and after about the sort of fifth person I'd just be like yeah well basically I'm trans trans." (laughs) deal with it yeah (laughs) people like okay but yeah it, it was it it kind of explains, I guess, somehow the kind of workings inside my mind yeah. that I've been living with this thing my whole life and I built it into this, you know, this terrible thing that, that people just weren't ready for and people wouldn't accept mm-hmm. and people would people wouldn't want to be my friend anymore or want to know me. Mm-hmm. And it and it just wasn't the case. It was like people were like, okay, you know, people were surprised, people were a bit shocked, but you're still the same person mm. and and just yeah. just i know this sounds sort of way too simplistic but just explain to people how it's different to sexual orientation how it's different to coming out as gay because because presumably i mean i don't know are you are you straight or gay how, how do you identify in that respect um i mean I, I identify as pansexual which is kind of um to say that i i my attraction to people isn't really based on their gender ex- gender identity as such. I just I, I you like I find, someone for who they are. I like someone for who they it's are. Pretty simple. Yeah, basically. It's nice. Yeah, I 
and that's that's pansexual in a, in a nutshell really mm. and um i because you yeah i mean so your physical sex your gender identity and your um who so you're attracted to yeah. I, I, you know are three three separate things mm. and again for for a lot of people the majority of people they're they're probably all in alignment but for a lot of people who you know i know a lot of trans people who uh who identifies pan mm. uh, i think because i have a, a very different insight into what it is to be male or female and what gender actually is to the majority of society mm. and don't tend to see things in the same way mm. and um you can be you know just because you're attracted to somebody um that doesn't really define your mm. gender identity it doesn't define you know all these things are very can be very fluid um yeah i, mm. I, I mean to me it just seems so straightforward because I guess I've always thought like that, mm. really. Um, it took me a long time to understand myself. Mm. And to well, a degree, I'm still trying to figure myself out. Well, aren't we know? all? Don't worry about that. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you've always felt like that, but that, that is at odds with how everybody else around you feels, that's where the sort of juxtaposition occurs, isn't it? It's why, that's where the sort of um, angst, if you like, yeah starts breeding from which sure and you know i remember when i was quite early into my transition and some people i knew who were kind of more like friends of friends you know you'd be at a party and someone's like feeling a bit a bit kind of bold and comes yeah. up and like oh, are you charlie and you're like yes yes i know what's coming yeah they're like so so do you so now you transition do you fancy boys now or girls yeah. you know has that changed i'm just like well, for one, like, who are you? Yeah. And two, like, why is this any of your business? Yeah. But at the end of the day, why is it? Why do you need to know? Yeah. Why, is, why does that matter? Are, I think people are intrigued mm. because they want to know if that changes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or whether it was, mm. you know, consistent. But as you say, it, I think it's a kind of, you know, yeah. it's such a deeply personal thing anyway. Like, as in the way you feel, you know, everybody everybody's different and yeah. everybody's beautifully unique in that respect you know yeah and I, and I would never dream of walking up to somebody in a party and going are you straight oh are you steve yeah. yeah hi steve do you fancy men or women yeah or both yeah <laughs> be like what who yeah. are you yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. just hi <laughs> my name's charlie nice to meet you yeah exactly but i know so many trans people who just regularly have those kinds of experiences yeah, but she, like, yeah. i think part of that isn't I, I think part of it's not necessarily like I, I, you know it's maybe a I don't know, it's not meant as an, an intentional malice. No, it's no, curiosity that, exactly. that comes across in a kind of unfiltered way. Yes. Which And do you know what, in a way, as hard as it may be in that moment, you should forgive them because that is part of the education process. Like, yeah. I think until people kind of, people will be grappling with those questions and until they get answers and work it out in their mind, we're never going to open mm. people's minds and hearts to the idea of a much more inclusive society. You always have to let them ask those silly questions. Yeah, and I think... I mean, I asked it. No, but I mean... I'm no, sorry about that. In a nice way. <laughs> but I think, you know, and I, and I do I do feel like that. You know, I, I accept we are where we are as a society. We're at a point where there's still, you know... I, I, if I have to answer some, question, some, mm. some uncomfortable questions at times in my life, then 
I'm just thinking, you know, this is this isn't a chance to try and educate people. Yeah, and that's and how we make progress. So I'm just not, what I'm I was about to up. say. I mean, so, it's, you know, awkward yeah. questions lead to conversation, leads to progress. And that's got to be great. And what a legacy for you to, to have initiated, be a trailblazer in that respect. I mean, I have quite thick skin and I've developed confidence through going through transition mm. that I never... I never had before. Mm. I don't feel like the same person that I used to be. I, I mean, seriously, I, there's things that I do that I go into now, situations that I would, I would never have dreamt of, of walking into things like that now. You know, public speaking, which I now do a lot of, mm. going into companies and talking about my experiences and, and sharing that in a way that people can learn and understand. I, I, I would never, never have been able to do things like that. Mm. But I, I feel... Yeah, if I'm able to do that and I have the confidence and I have the platform, then I want to do that because it's there's only good that can come from Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know? I, I, I read a quote from you that said, my transition made me a braver on the track, more confident in taking risks. Um, explain how that worked because that's really interesting if you, if you feel like you've become a better racer for it. And do you know I have? If I look back in the six years prior to transition and the six years since, it, I've got a cabinet, well, not a cabinet, a couple of all my trophies at home on a shelf. What I won before that, it's like, I don't know, six or seven trophies. And everything I've won that's since then, it's like, I don't know, it's it's night and day. It's, it's like the physical proof of that. And I yeah. think because transition was the scariest thing I could ever imagine doing in my life. And the fear of failing and messing it up and my life just falling through a hole in front of me in the ground was a very real prospect. It was a leap of faith. And to do it and it go not only okay, but to go really well and to feel like, wow, I am the person I've always wanted to be. I'm happy and I have something that no one can ever take away from me. You know, whatever happens in my life now, I know I wake up in the morning and I see the person I am staring back in the mirror. To know that, it just made me more... It made me more of a risk taker. Mm. Because I'm like, well, I've, I've climbed the biggest mountain I could ever imagine in my life. And everything feels possible now. Anything feels possible. And so in terms of racing, not only being able to focus and think clearly because I'm not dealing with all the stuff in the back of my head but also just pushing myself on track you know especially racing in hill climb where you know I, when I went off to race in France racing a Formula Renault on French B roads on a course that's like six kilometers long that you have to know by by heart every corner every braking zone every bump and driving that at like I don't know getting up to like 140 miles an hour with trees and rocks and buildings and stuff You've got to be brave. <laughs> that is my son coming back from nursery. Please let me pause this for a moment. <laughs> no problem. So, um, one thing that I wanted to pick up on with you is that actually you have less testosterone in your body now, but you are a better racer since the transition, which plays into my theory that actually women make better races than men. Okay, I'm only joking. <laughs> Obviously not, but I'm, I'm going, I'm picking up on something that Jensen Button said, which was, there is nothing physically that precludes a woman from racing against a man. Mm. And this is something I'm quite passionate about, that mm. 
you are a very interesting case study because do you think like a man when you race or do you think like a woman goodness knows I just think like a driver I mean I mean I don't have any testosterone in my body you know I haven't for six years or something now um and yet you're a better racer for it well yeah I mean I I, my results speak for themselves Mm. you know when you look at what I did when I went off to do the French hill climb championship I mean, regular podiums, it just, it was a time in my life when I just suddenly started, I don't know, it was like someone flicked a switch in my head mm-hmm. and I just started driving and, and, and getting results. And yeah, I mean, it's a really, it is a really interesting thing to think about because I I don't know. I try to think back to how I used to think, mm. if if that's possible. Yeah, yeah. And in the context of when I was driving a car and when I was racing and what was happening and and how I would operate. I mean, especially now racing in endurance where you're driving for an hour at a time easily. Mm. Um, you know, your brain controlling your thoughts and your mental state during that period is really important mm. to how you how you perform and drive mm. the car mm. um it's i guess i feel like i have less distractions i'm able clarity to find... is something that you touched on clarity. earlier just that clarity yeah. of mind that you didn't have the the noise going on back here I, challenging yeah. you i think that's i think that's a really important thing because i was really carrying around something that in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, don't think about this. Mm. Don't think, whatever you do, don't think about this because it'll just stress you out or make mm. you feel sad or upset or whatever. And I was, that was a thing, you know, my brain was actively doing that mm. day in, day out. Mm. Even if I wasn't aware of it, it was like a computer program running in the back, in the background. Mm. And when I stopped doing that, I remember actually, it was really profound, the, the, the feeling of clarity and calm that I had when I started taking estrogen and I was, I mean, I was on testosterone blockers. So basically remove testosterone, replace it with estrogen. Mm. And the effect that had on my, um, just my mental state. Mm. And I know, I know so many people who've said the same thing. I just, I just felt like I could breathe. Like I could just slow down and take stock and think about things clearly and you know i mean i've made videos about it on my youtube channel i'm sure um about how yeah you know how it feels not having testosterone in your body it's it's a, it's a funny thing and mm. and just the kind of calm that's kind of come from mm. from from feeling like okay i mean I, i'm really into meditation these mm. days i got into that about a year ago it's generally something i do every day and i think as well that's really another way that another thing that helps me kind of um relax and connect with with my inner self and Mm. my thoughts my feelings and Mm. just just have that kind of sense of clarity Mm. you know my life i'm sure you have a very hectic schedule yourself and when you're rushing around trying to do a million things it can be difficult to um Mm. to to find that kind of stillness you know, when you just want to grab a moment. And I find meditation really helps me with that. Mm, It kind of sets me up for the day and I can, yeah. It feels in a way that you've released your talent because your talent was sort of 
down there wrestling with everything else that was going on. And you've kind of almost set it free. I know that sounds a bit, you know, hippie-ish, but I, I, I like this idea that just finally having clarity of mind has given you the opportunity to shine in a way that you weren't before because there was too much else going on. Yeah, and, and I honestly think that for me, transitioning was the key to unlocking my performance as a, as a driver, as an mm-hmm. athlete. And it, it really has made all the world a difference to me. It's... Yeah. Um, and you know the thing that I want most now is for other people to have that in their life. Mm. I want, I, you know, I don't want other people to grow up feeling scared or alone or mm. ashamed or you know unable to limiting what they feel they can achieve in their life just because of how they were born. Mm. You know, I want everybody to have what I've had that experience because mm. everybody deserves that, and that's why I'm so passionate mm. about being visible because really, by me being visible that by people hearing my story and understanding my story and listening to this podcast, you know, this is probably one of the first times I've really talked about a lot of the things we've talked about today. And when people have that understanding, it just creates a more a more accepting environment where everybody feels free to be themselves mm. and people don't feel those barriers. Mm. People don't feel, you know, limited. People feel able to, oh, do you know what, actually whether that's someone thinking, well, you know, this is where I work, this is where I compete in my sports team, this is the team that I support, whatever that environment. It's about people feeling f- feeling able to, to take control and feeling that the support is there and seeing that the support is there. And I think that's why it's so important to be visible, to share, to share that. Because it's such a distraction, if nothing else, having to fight over here, a, a sort of silent fight, an anonymous sort of behind-the-scenes fight, and you're not able to channel your energy into life and succeeding and progressing in a different way. So, you know, being set free in that respect is is, is fantastic, and um, hopefully others will, will follow suit in that respect. Just taking it back to the physical um, and this idea, because, again... <laughs> Someone else on the team who will remain nameless believes that it's testosterone that you need to be ruthless, to make those sort of gutsy moves, if you like, on the racetrack. And a woman is just too cautious in that respect. Um, I obviously want you to counter that with a strong argument because I always do in the uh, production office. But sometimes I'm not alone in my views, but I just don't believe that, that all overtakes need to be gutsy and testosterone fueled, they can be uh, manufactured from a very different standpoint, i.e., you know, taking back, taking stock and guile and smart, clever overtaking is actually often much more effective. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd argue that certainly in endurance racing where, you know, you don't win the race in the first 10 minutes, you've got to, you've got to be consistent and you've got to stay out of trouble and yeah, you've got to be fast, but you, you, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a case of going guns blazing in the first corner necessarily mm. because um in a, in a race that's going to last hours and hours that's that's not necessarily going to get you yeah. to the finish line i mean i think yeah i agree with what you said i think clarity and vision and you know and looking at things clearly can be uh can be just as effective in terms of spotting an overtaking opportunities looking reading a situation reading the cars around you Mm. uh, all those kinds of things Uh, i can see why someone might say that but i mean 
I don't I don't feel that's really necessarily the the be all and end all in making a good racing driver. I mean, mm. there are plenty 100%. plenty of female drivers out there doing very well mm. in various disciplines, mm. who who are showing that you know women can women can cut it with the guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, w Series, would you consider going for it? Um, I. I mean, I think it would be great. Just, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. I think it would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I, to be honest, I would, I would never turn down an opportunity to drive in something like, like W Series. I think I'm, I'm, I'm at a point in my career where, I'll be honest, you know, it's, it's really, it's been difficult for me uh, this season. You know, coming into the biggest race we've got, Le Mans, where um i'm in a position where i'm I'm struggling for funding and i think that's a position that a lot of drivers have in their career Mm. i think something like w series that gives gives drivers an opportunity i mean a paid drive in an f3 car is a wonderful opportunity Mm. for any driver and um yeah i mean i guess i've been very focused on endurance because Mm. that's the for me the the goal has always been to to compete at the 24 hours of le mans um but I mean, if I was had an opportunity to sh- to do something like that, then yeah, it, it would be very exciting. Twenty twenty, your name's going to be up there. I'm sure of it. Um, okay, and th- just let's just finish up by by looking forward, embracing this uh, this incredible Le Mans adventure that that awaits. Um, what can people do to support you? How can people get in touch? How can people sponsor? So, I mean, really the best thing to do is just Google my name or Google Go Charlie. Um, right now I've got a crowdfunder out, um, which is uh, to try and get me to Le Mans, but um, that's on Just Giving. But fundamentally, just just check out my social media, Go Charlie M. Um, I've got quite a lot of stuff out there on social media. I've been on, uh, been on the TV quite a lot, I suppose, the last six months. So, um, I, to be honest, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to do something different in motorsport. And I'm trying to make a difference. And um, I think there's a great opportunity there for partners to, to come on board, really, to mm. do something a bit different and a bit brave and um, something that can create a really positive change in the world. And uh, for fans, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got some fantastic followers out there and uh, it's been amazing, you know, all the time when you're, whether you're having a good weekend or you're having a, a bit of a not-so-good weekend... It's really the people that follow you and support mm. you on social media that that can lift your spirits, and so it's uh, it's great to have such so much support out there right now. And it's pretty apt that that's what's giving you the support that you need, because ultimately it was social media, it was YouTube that's got you to this point. So that you know that's a massive tick in the box for for where we've come from and to where we're going. That that it's been the openness of media and social media that's helped you get to this point in the first place isn't it i mean it's it's great you're able to talk directly to people that can help you and who who you can help oh excuse me mike <clears throat> that's probably the alarm to say go and pick the kids up from nursery which is a bit late <laughs> um so um charlie listen it's it's just been so lovely to have your company and as i tweeted the other day for me sport and motorsport specifically should and has to be inclusive it has to be a meritocracy which is something that you've always argued that you know if you're fast enough 
you'll get there. But it has to be, you know, people opening their arms to it. And I think you embody that for me. So thank you so much for your time. I think you're brave and beautiful and brilliant and keep up the hard work. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure to chat. Yeah. Thanks. Great stuff.